Ribbon Nation, welcome back to another episode, the second episode of the week. Yes, we're bringing you two podcasts in one week. We are losing our minds over here. On this episode, we sat down with Alex Jackson and Chadwick C. Rob Robinson. Alex is just 22 years old and finished 22nd overall and executed his pacing plan to perfection at the Burning River 100 Mile Endurance Run. And Chadwick showed some true determination and just pure grit to get his done. And it was just a fantastic show, and I hope you all enjoy it. Yo, what is going on, Ridge Hunter Nation? We are doing double duty this week with two Ridge Hunters live shows for the Burning River 100 that took place this past weekend. And tonight we have two runners on the show who ran, who completed the race and were out there on the course. One of these faces may look familiar. The other one right now, not so much. I, he just doesn't look like his normal self. Well, we'll get there. Uh, without further ado, Alex Jackson and Yoda, how are you guys doing tonight? Doing well here. Wisdom are all around us. Ask your will a yes or no question. Sense the force in my left hand. Press it and answer you, I will. All right, I'll play the game. Yodo, are you drinking a beverage tonight? Yes, I feel this will be. Love it. Absolutely <laughs> love it. This is a new one. C-Rob always brings out the shenanigans when he's on the live show. You never know what to expect when uh, Chadwick C-Rob Robinson is joining the show. Uh, how are you guys doing tonight? Obviously, you guys are doing, doing well? Yes. Glad to see you're back in the, uh, you got your name fixed and all that good stuff. C-Rob, what are you drinking tonight? Well, I'm drinking a, a red blend called the Hob Knob Wicked Red Limited Edition. It's aged 13 days. Nice. <laughs> That's about as old as Alex is, right? No. <laughs> about, yeah. <laughs> Alex, what are you drinking for us tonight? Yeah, well, it's a little unfair of uh, an introduction to follow after after Yona there, um, but due to the the time of day, uh, I just got my my Kroger brand nighttime tea out, sipping on some some hot tea here. Um, nothing too exciting. I did have a Jackie O's Who Cooks for You with with dinner a little earlier, which is what I had at the finish line on Sunday morning. So that's what I would be drinking otherwise. Love it, love it. Hopefully you don't fall asleep on us during the live show tonight. We'll try to keep. Nah, I'm here. <laughs> we'll keep it going. A little late, but we're good. Yeah, it's not possible. John, what do you see, Rob? Though you can't fall asleep with him on the show. Too much energy over there. Tempered. Ooh, that's John. One. What about you? I am drinking a Deschutes uh, fresh squeezed IPA. Um, yeah, it's pretty good. How about you? What do you so, got? You have classic beers over there? Or? I do have classic beers. Before I get into that, so Cam Wrench uh, recently thought he was, he was the like Kroger section of like local beers in, in Chicago. He bought those, mm-hmm. and he thought like Deschutes was local to Chicago. And for people that don't know, it's like an Oregon beer. So uh, good old Cam Wrench is already in the chat. So uh, glad we <laughs> picked you up on that one. I am drinking a complimentary beer here. It's a it's a good old classic <laughs> Bud Light. And I'm super. I hate this beer, but it, I think it like matches the mood for tonight's show because. <laughs> oh, Yoda's all about it, but uh, <laughs> he's so excited. But I am excited because I, usually a lot of these shows, people don't know that we do a lot of prep behind the scenes to make uh, sound like we know kind of what we're talking about. At least I try to do. So I, I know what to say uh, for our two guests. But tonight I did zero prep for this show. And so in honor of that, just that's how we roll. Like, 
this is how we're just going to do it. So if you see me looking off to the left or looking whatnot, it's not because I'm looking at the screen. The screen is blank over there. So uh, we'll just move right along. But Wednesday uh, night at the improv. Exactly. Yeah, we're going to see how it goes tonight. Who knows? We may go, I, so last night, a little pre-story, we almost set a episode PR in for distance. We missed it by 20 seconds. So I'm not sure how tonight will go, but maybe we can set an episode PR in length. We'll see. Uh, speaking of people who did set some PRs over this past weekend, Alex Jackson set a PR in the 100 miler and as his first 100. So I want to talk to Alex first before we go around this room here. Uh, Alex, take me back because for people that don't know, um, this race, you didn't know if you were even going to run it at some point. So take me back to this past December and what you're dealing with um, leading up to the race and then your training kind of going into it. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've had kind of a back and forth relationship in a way with the Burning River race. Um, I going back to middle school, I remember volunteering at it at that age and uh, in high school, I paid someone. And then finally, a few years ago, I ran the 50 mile. Uh, I did the, the relay at one point. And then last year, I attempted the 100 and dropped out when I thought I was going to have a really good day. Um, so going into this year, like, you know, I really finally wanted to get it done at Burning River and, you know, my hometown race and just get the, the my first uh, 100 mile finish there. Um, however, you know, going back to December, I found myself pretty injured with uh, a bad knee. Um, I wasn't really running too much uh, starting at the end of 2019. And that kind of dragged into early 2020. Um, and it took a few months longer than I expected um, to really get into any kind of decent shape. Um, and then by the time I finally got into a flow, the pandemic hit. And, uh, you know, for a while, we really weren't sure if we'd have any races and uh, everything was just kind of on hold. So for most of 2020, I, you know, didn't really expect uh, there to be a race, you know, for me to show up to and possibly get my first finish at. So I was kind of mentally not really like thinking about it for most of the year. And then kind of finally, as the summer went on and it looked like the race might happen, I started to uh, start focusing on that goal again. Um, but it really wasn't much of a thought for most of the year. So I, I was just really grateful to, with everything, all the uncertainty going on in the world um, and, and, and just around us, you know, being able to show up to a starting line uh, was, was a really cool opportunity to do. So as that was nearing, I knew that I had to make the most of uh, the opportunity uh, that we were afforded uh, and very fortunate and privileged to have uh, this past weekend. So a lot of runners deal with like injuries and whatnot. So what was like the rehab process like for you? Like, uh, like when did you even know, like, okay, I can actually probably try to do this race and it may not cause uh, any severe damage. Yeah. So maybe it was a good thing that I was signed up for burning river sometime in the fall of, I think November or maybe October of 2019, I signed up before I was really hurt. Um, which, so you know, the money was already paid. My name was already, uh, on the, on the entrance list the whole time. Um, so it was never really a matter of if I was going to run it cause I was already, was already in. Um, so it was kind of just a matter of finding a way to get myself ready and get myself in shape. Um, had I, you know, not been signed up and planning on doing it all along, I 2020 would have been a good year to just be like, ah, I'm going to put racing off and just stay, try to get healthy and, and stay healthy. Um, 
so I think that that definitely helped a lot that I had already had the goal and that I was already planning to go a long time ago. Um, and then I just kind of worked from there. I, I, I went to a few rehab sessions, mostly early 2020. Um, and I, I was given some pointers some exercises to do at home that I had spent, you know, a lot of time doing. Um, I got into doing some, some yoga, some good old YouTube yoga uh, for anyone who's looking to change it up. Um, or just kind of work on flexibility or anything else. Uh, I highly recommend, uh, you know, putting in a couple hours a week of yoga um, can really go a long way. Uh, I found this past year, um, and I guess I just had confidence in my ability despite not training as much as I typically would have. Um, I only got a few 60 mile weeks of training in leading up to the race. Uh, you know, last year I had. I felt like I had several more weeks uh, where I was 65 to 70 miles, uh, some longer, long runs I had put in a year ago. Um, and I ideally wanted to have done that again this summer, but I just couldn't with where I was uh, injury wise uh, much of the spring. Um, so I kind of just had to trust, you know, my ability to run far, even if I was a little under trained. Um, so I think just having some confidence uh, in your general ability, no matter what your fitness level is at a given moment, just kind of knowing what you're capable of, no matter what. So my fellow North Carolina resident uh, in a couple of weeks, Eric Anderson is in the chat and he asked, was it a diagnosed knee injury or just knee pain? Yeah. So I, I, after going through a few physical therapy sessions, uh, I was diagnosed as a uh, strained popliteus muscle, if I'm saying that correctly, I had never heard of it, but some, some tiny muscle in my right knee uh, was, had a pretty decent uh, strain on it. Fortunately, there was nothing torn. Um, so on paper, it wasn't like that bad of an injury, but uh, to my surprise, it just lasted a really long time. Um, you know, I was never like limping from it or anything, but for a while, I mean, up until like the last few weeks, like I was feeling aches at various points in training. Um, and it just lasted a lot longer than I had expected the pain to. Um, so not like a serious pay, injury on paper, but something that just kept nagging and just kind of kept my confidence uh, down a little bit at, at times along the way. So the gun goes off. You're all by yourself there. Uh, what was those first couple of moments of the race like for you? Yeah, for me, it was kind of overwhelming. <laughs> I mean, you're out there running it's an odd hour in the dark alone and just the whole reality of the day sets in. I mean, I'm sure more veteran runners are better equipped and more, more used to that situation, but you know, there's me, this 22 year old idiot, um, just kind of out there like questioning what the hell I'm doing with myself, like a million better things I could be doing with my day. Like I, I had a lot of like self doubt, um, you know, why I was out there. Um, I think it's a little easier in normal years when there's like, you know, more of the party going on, you're in big groups, uh, there's music and all that takes your mind off at least for a little while. But this year it was just eerily quiet, um, and lonely and you just couldn't escape the thoughts and thinking about what was in front of you. So what were the first couple of miles like? I mean, did you just like, I, for those of you that don't know, Alex has a very good tendency of running races and just like crushing them in a, in a way that like, he just makes the whole thing look, look like the easiest experience 
ever. So was the whole miles in the first, like say 20, 25, just a breeze for you? I mean, I would physically, yeah, it was probably the, the easiest mentally, I think was actually the toughest though, because the earlier in the race, it was just that, that feeling of being overwhelmed by what was in front of me, um, was just weighing on me more the earlier it was. Um, so I was honestly just trying to like stay relaxed, um, and not get like too stressed out about what was going on. Um, I, I kept thinking about my knee acting up at some point, um, which I did a little bit later on. Um, not, nothing too bad happened with it, but like I was, you know, maybe overreacting about it, but I was thinking a lot about that being an issue early on. Um, but physically everything was clicking early. Um, couple times I would force myself to walk a little bit more just to be safe to keep myself in check you know I'd, I'd see like an 11 minute mile on my watch or something and I'd force myself to walk for a minute to dial it back just to make sure I, I wasn't getting too ahead of myself because you know I, I haven't run too many of these but I know how long the distance is and you know feeling good at mile 10 or mile 20 uh, doesn't mean you're going to maintain that for hours and hours and hours so I knew Wait, I'd had to dial it back a little bit. You know how long the distance of the races you signed up for? Yeah, yeah. I did read that it was 100 miles, so I, I was familiar with that, yeah. <laughs> See, I feel like that's a lot more than most people do, so I'm glad you were able yeah, to Yeah, it was some this. extensive race prep I did there um, <laughs> that I, I would recommend everyone else does before. Dude, this is just hard-hitting stuff here from Alex right now about yeah, uh Yeah, Red Red the race. Yeah, read the race description. That's that's super important. So, uh, talk to us about like mile twenty five to fifty, and what you kind of experienced during those moments of the race. Yeah, I mean, it started to get hot. You know, probably mile thirty or so. Sun was coming up on me, um, and and you know I was managing that fine. But uh, I was getting kind of excited for mile fifty. Um, that's always a good point in a race. Uh, you know, I saw my crew kind of all together for the first time at mile 50. So I, w- I was looking forward to mile 50 and picking up my, my first pacer at that point. Um, so I was really just thinking about that, um, getting there, getting there, you know, in one piece was, was the goal of uh, just staying relaxed uh, through that point. You know, there's the, the bike path stretch that is like mile 43 to 50. Um, so I knew that like that was going to be a pretty hot uh, section, but a section that I was going to be able to make up time on. Um, and that was right after the portion that runs through Pine Hollow and Salt Run uh, and Happy Days. And for those who don't know, Cuyahoga Valley, you know, it's a relatively uh, rough terrain and hilly area. Um, not too bad for like, you know, if you're just on a training run, but like in the middle of a ultra, it's a pretty decent uh, stretch that you got to be careful on. Um, so I was doing a lot of walking kind of intentionally, um, you know, in, in like mile 30 through through 40 roughly when that stretch was, I was kind of just taking it slow and knowing that uh, it was a rough section relatively. And I just had to kind of stay within myself and get through it um, and then made up some of that time on the bike path coming to mile 50. And fortunately I got to mile 50 still in one piece. And yeah. I'd say you got to mile 50 in more than one piece if that's possible, but you picked up your first pacer at mile 50. What was that? feeling like for you at that moment yeah well i mean maybe i would run this way anyways but you know with it being uh wave start and everything and and spread out i really wasn't running with anyone at any point Uh, i was chatting a little bit here and there but i I was never really spending extensive time with anyone 
um, on the course, the first 50 miles, uh, which was fine, but I was definitely looking forward to having company. Uh, my first pacer, uh, Jake, uh, was my good friend who I grew up with. We went to preschool together. Um, we've known each other since then. Um, you know, so we're good friends. I just knew he'd, he'd be a good, good company to have, um, out there for a few hours. Um, so I was looking forward to that and that's exactly what happened, uh, for the, the 16 or so miles I spent with him. So in the, up to this point, you're so, you're so at like mile 66 right now. And for those of you that look at Alex's trial, I think it's in the description of this video below, you'll see that his pace is super consistent, which is awesome and incredible to do, uh, for a hundred mile race. So at mile 66, I'm assuming that's kind of when things kind of get tough. You pick up your next pacer. Uh, what kind of happened at that moment? Yeah. So, you know, I remember getting through that. So salt run, salt run was the last stretch I did with Jake and, you know, the sun was still up and I remember I was having some low points, um, that I was trying to get through, um, coming into mile 67 ish. Um, and, um, that was kind of the stretch last year that things unraveled with me. Uh, so I remember I was like, I kept telling Jake how, uh, I was really looking forward to getting through that part and it was kind of like a little milestone just to like get past it without having things go ha have gone wrong uh, like they did a year ago. Um, so I was like, kind of like worried about something going wrong at that point. Um, but unfortunately I was able to just kind of keep moving through, uh, that stretch. Um, and, uh, you know, my pacer Jake, he did, did his job. It was, you know, kept, kept me in good spirits throughout that stretch. Um, and he gets to be back to Pine Hollow, which is where Travis Zipfel was, was, uh, very eagerly, uh, waiting. Uh, he wasted <laughs> no time. As soon as I get into that aid station, I, I just knew it was going to be a wild ride. Like the second I walk in, Travis like runs up to me, you know, X, Y, Z, what do you need? What, like, what are we going to do? Like all seven foot three of them. <laughs> yeah. Travis was all business from, from the second I, I approached that aid station, uh, which was, which was great. Um, made me a little nervous, like at the moment. Uh, but I mean, that's kind of why I asked Travis to, to come pace me. For those who don't know Travis, he's a real talented you know, fast ultra runner. Um, you know, he, he drops out of a lot of ultras because he goes for it. Um, which is something I do respect about him. Um, very different type of runner than myself, but I, I had a feeling that if, if I had someone like that, um, out there with me, uh, that might be just what I needed, uh, to kind of make up for my weaknesses and, uh, self doubt that I, that I might've had out there. Um, having someone like him was, was what I thought I needed. And that's kind of what played out. He would have picked up me had you dropped. So I'm glad you. Yeah, I, I heard. I heard Travis was texting you a little bit during. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I felt uh, some some loyalty issues there, but. <laughs> no, it was all in good spirit, man. He. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> so, but Alex, you didn't mention this part, but at that aid station, you actually changed into your track spikes, right, to uh, run with Travis and keep up with them. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, I was a little nervous. Um, we, we, we left Pine Hollow and uh, I, Travis gives me about a minute or so to, to walk as I scarf down a piece of pizza and then the sun's setting and we just kind of start running. We don't really discuss like how fast or how hard we just start going and pretty soon it's pitch black and we weren't really talking a whole lot at first and I, you know, I kind of had a made a decision to myself that I was going to like, let it happen. I wasn't really going to say much. I was going to take my chance uh, and just kind of go with the pace that we were running at. Um, 
definitely wouldn't have been hitting that intensity at that point with by myself or with, you know, most other uh, possible paces I would have had. Um, and I remember just saying, you know, this is why I have Travis out here. Uh, he knows better than me. Like, let's, let's just go. Um, and those last 30 miles were kind of a, a wild ride <laughs> uh, for me. So that was fun. So is there ever a moment you're like, hey, Travis, listen, let's just stop two-stepping me and let's slow down a second here? You know, I, I don't think I really said anything explicitly. There were a couple times where I was like, you know, here, like, let's walk another minute or something. And, like, he wasn't like – I think we both understood each other. Like, I, I don't think I really complained out loud at all of him because I figured, like, he knew everything I was feeling. Like, you know, I could have complained about X, Y, and Z, like, of course, there's a bunch of things you can complain about 70, 80 miles in, um, but there are things that that's what you signed up for, and that's to be expected. And yeah, I figured there was no point in me saying, "Oh, like my legs are stiff" or something like that. Like it, it was just would have been a waste of of, of words. To, to hey, my legs that. were stiff. What's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my, mine definitely were, but I just you know, <laughs> he didn't say didn't anything. Feel the need to say it. <laughs> so you, um, they were stiff. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I was feeling. Okay, just make sure you're Sometimes not. how I was feeling, and I would kind of say, "Well, you know, I got nothing." And I know I'm 19 me. years older than you, but you, I mean, bother <laughs> me a little more stiff. <laughs> well, I was feeling some things, but there was kind of just a vibe out there that I wasn't going to really say it because it didn't really matter, um, you know. So. So, do you think like having a pacer like that was a beneficial idea? It was. I mean, I was pretty confident in the way that the day was going. I would have finished, uh, but finishing in the time I did, uh, I think you probably could have added a couple hours, uh, if not more. I'm sure I would have been out there woefully walking and pouting. And, you know, if I had a good friend with me uh, who wasn't as experienced and they would have just like let me complain and feel sorry for myself. And, you know, I'm sure I would have kept moving, but it would have been a lot slower and would have complained a lot more. <laughs> But Travis is kind of that good, no-nonsense, uh, experienced runner um, who just kept me level and kept me locked in. Um, so I think that definitely was a game-changer just in terms of, like, keeping keeping the foot on, on the pedal there on um, the last 20 miles when it's so easy to just uh, want to walk it in or lose focus and, and go kind of slowly there. So what was the finish like for you? Take me through all the emotions of the finish line for you. Yeah, it was pretty surreal. I mean, it's like, you know, you're on this empty street at 4 a.m. in Cuyahoga Falls. You know, there's no one out around. And it's like, you know, I remember my first marathon finish and like, you know, there was like a big crowd in downtown Columbus and there was music playing and I was sprinting down and it's just like, you know, with off to running, you generally come to know that that's just not the kind of scene that we have, especially during a pandemic um and you know it's 4 a.m so who who's dumb enough to be out there anyways um so but like that was kind of cool in a way like it was just like i was just you know i knew i had made it that last mile or so although there was that decent climb for those who aren't familiar that last mile is about a quarter mile that's a pretty good climb up the road um you know that took some good power walking to get up and i remember looking down and and seeing someone seeing a headlamp bobbing out in the distance um 
and you know it's hard to, to gauge how close that person was and, you, and with the wave start you didn't know if you had a few minutes on them or they had a few minutes on you like you just didn't know like in terms of placement not that i was too stressed about it but when you see someone like you don't want to let them pass you uh, no matter the circumstance um so we were kind of like looking back and you know seeing how close that light was getting in the distance um and then as soon as i could see the finish line the uh, a good bit of adrenaline kicked in. I was able to run it in strong, and uh, it was pretty cool. So for those of you that do not know, Alex Jackson is 22 years old. He mentioned that previously, but he was also the 22nd finisher of the Burning River 100 this year, which is just absolutely incredible. When did you know, because you finished in 2330-ish, I believe. Um, when did you know Timothy Crow, Timothy, Tim, it wants to know when did uh, you know that sub 24 was in the game? Yeah. I mean, I had kept, so the primary goal for the day was to finish. Um, and I definitely, you know, I don't know if it was a secondary goal or, or, or whatever you want to call it, but it was, there was definitely uh, the goal in mind was also to get under 24 hours if at all possible. Um, and it was hard to say, you know, I had been under 24 hour pace most of the day, but that's, that's easy to do the first half. Um, it's really what's happening that, that second half and, and last third of the race. Um, and, and Travis was, was doing some of the math for me along the way. And we, we were in it the whole time, obviously, like I was never above 24 hour pace. Um, you know, there were a few times that we look at the watch and like make sure that we were still making good time uh, during some of my slower miles. Um, but the whole time it was, it was there. Um, I, I, I'm pretty sure I was, I was always below it. Um, I, I got a little nervous towards the end because I, I couldn't quite tell. I thought maybe it was cutting close. Um, in that last 10 or 15 miles, I was moving pretty slow at some points and I was worried if I wasn't able to kind of maintain uh, a decent amount of jogging that it might slip away. Um, but I, I kind of had a feeling I'd, I'd be able to hold on, uh, especially given how much toe path uh and relatively flat trail and road there is uh the last like eight or nine miles i knew i'd, I'd be able to do a decent amount of running the last 10 miles so that was that was just good to have in mind had it been like a real technical finish uh given the amount of time i i had uh, those last few miles i would have been a little bit more nervous out there because i i definitely wasn't running hills uh uphill or downhill um at that point in the race um, so fortunately the course allowed for a strong finish to, to hold on to that time goal. So I think people that if you're watching this in the future, maybe almost like nine months from now, and you're planning on running the burning your route 100, go back to the aid station splits on run sign up and look at Alex Jackson's aid station splits because his first 66 and through the hundred were the same pace that Travis ran for his 34 mile section. So Travis's 34 mile section pace-wise was the exact same that Al ran for the 100. And so I've never seen anyone execute a pace plan as consistent and maintain the same fitness, unless it's the Backyard Ultra, as well as you did. So I thought that was just super impressive. Thank you. Well, like I said, congratulations, Alex. It was super fun. I know I uh, love staying up till four in the morning to wait for you to finish. So, uh, I was glad you were able to get that done. See, <laughs> uh, Rob, kind of transitioning over to your race now. Um, first question I have for you is, why did it take you so long to finish? I couldn't even make it up. I couldn't stay up late enough. It was, it was difficult. Uh, I, I think it started with the fact that 
I, again, Eastern States got canceled. And then um, as soon as that got canceled, like I'm going right for Burning River. So I got that going. I was well-trained from a lot of vertical. I hadn't been doing a lot of speed work, put on a COVID-15 or 10 pounds, <laughs> a little too much drinking. I'm tapering off. I'm tapering off now. Um, but no, I, I think what, what happened, I got hurt twice. It actually didn't slow me down during the race, actually. So I can't use that as an excuse. Um, but I did, I took a couple of nasty spills a month into it. And then two weeks before the race, and, uh, I've always had bad, bad toe. I, I got a turf toe. I've had it for like seven, eight years. It's gotten black. I've broken it and I ended up hurting some other toes as well too. So I wasn't running for a week or two. And then I got back again and then I tripped and fell on the same night area with a run with the same group, our trail enthusiasts. Um, and it kind of like, I just got really mad. And I, I was literally at that point, I'm like, I'm pretty much done. So I pretty much, and I was okay with it. Like, I just get injured and I, I kind of accept injuries now or whatever, and just kind of go with the flow. I'll just bike and work around the house and pick up the bass guitar again. And just, you know, I got family, so I, I'm busy anyway. So it's not like I'd be bored. Um, the school starting back with, you know, a remote start. So I had plenty of things I could have done, but I got about maybe a week and a half, two weeks before the race and like started to get more pressure in my toes. And I think I can probably do it. I'm, I'm trained up to now. So I ended up uh, saying, yeah, I think I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. Like it's going to, I'm going to be kind of real ginger and really, I don't care about time. Like I wanted to go sub 24 and actually had a, a pretty good pace going. I was looking at my splits. I started really slow. Um, and I got passed by, by Alex and, I think mile 52, like right after the turn, but I started in front of him. So I was behind time on him. Anyways, I came in around. We just missed our, our fireball together. That was too bad. I know, but we'll get to that. Like that, I could have done it, but it would have been derailed. <laughs> I would have, I <laughs> but I started, it was cool. Like the, it was very, I liked the fact that it was an anticlimactic start. Like my, my buddy, Michael Lewis, who, who's the world's greatest crewman and, He's also a great pacer, but I, although I chose not to have a pacer this race, so it probably hurt me a little bit. Um, and I'm, I'm okay with that. I kind of wanted to go everything alone. Um, and so when I started, you know, he dropped me off like 15 minutes before the race and I cut in front of Jared Heights, who I kind of quickly saw. He's like, Hey, who in this bathroom line is, you know, uh, running after 418. I'm like fourth in line. And it's like 412. And they're like, oh, we're like fourth. I'm like, can I go in front? And it's like, oh, I recognize those shorts. I have my American shorts on. And it's like, hey, it's Jared Doritos. Like we ate Doritos together before Shawnee. <laughs> and so I cut in front of him and I came out of the bathroom. And then I literally walked over to the, the glow stick lineup. And I, I was in my corral. I'm just kind of six feet behind a person with a mask on and my stuff and get my watch ready. And every time you get up to the start line, it's like, hey, when you see your name, you know, you can go. So they were like, they were spitting people off like, pinballs in space it was really cool like but there was glow sticks everywhere so i think they mentioned that last night the two guests that were on but it was they had it super well organized and i was really impressed with like even where the bathroom area was there was glow sticks like a big grid everything was six feet apart so they really did their homework uh joe vince and uh and jim and entire western reserve uh, racing crew uh so it was cool i got to the start line i'm like oh, i'm 418 and chad robinson here we are so there you start going and it's like this darkness and there's no one there. Like there's no big crowd. And so I was kind of relaxed to start, which I kind of liked. So I kept my, I kept my nerves kind of at, at bay. And I just looked at my watch and I, I didn't want to really go over a 10 minute pace on road. I didn't want to go over or under or over like 1130, you know, on any road at the beginning. And then the trails, I, I wanted to slow down. 
Um, so I, I really, I played the game perfectly for the, uh, as much as I could coming in each aid station, looking at my calories and like, like Alex said, eventually you're, you know, you want to kind of dial back and you know, you're at mile 10, 12, 15. And now that Scott Mormon had passed me. Everyone had passed me that started behind me. So I knew that some of those people were running a little too fast. Uh, I might've been running a little too slow, a little conservative, but I was okay with that. I knew that would help me in the long run. And, it, and eventually it did not with my overall time. I actually did PR by like 23 minutes or something on a hundred. Um, but I got to the point where I, I came in, everything was going great. I, I think I changed my shoes. I could lose it or I changed my socks. I kept the same shoes the whole time, but I started getting chafing really early. I never get that. And so it was kind of a little bit of a red spot. So I decided, well, I better take care of it now. So I'm putting on like, you know, lube and stuff inside and it wasn't doing much. And like, if it doesn't get better, Lewis is like, I got compression shorts and I got a pair too. So I switched into them. I think at, um, at Kendall, I went into the bathroom at mile 33. I think that's where that is. And uh, put on a pair of compression shorts, even though the, the hot part was coming up. Um, so I put those on and that pretty kept, it kept that at bay. It got a little worse, but it, it did steady off eventually. But the whole race though, that first 50 miles, I, I, I had seven bathroom breaks uh, and they weren't like raging emergencies, but they were like, you know, when you're running and you have to go, it's like, it's like, well, here's the bathroom. It's like, either you do it now or you find the woods. You know, I always have teepee with me, but you know, I saw a bathroom and I, I can get in and out in like a minute, but it's like, every time I did that, I couldn't, I could never like completely get comfortable. So it's like, every time I saw it, I kept going. Um, and I was drinking, you know, certain, you know, drinks and they weren't really working. Um, eventually I ended up ditching all my science drinks and stuff. And I just went with straight water. Um, I really carried, I carried almost no food with me. I, I was pretty much doing all the aid stations, getting my calories, mainly in liquid form. Um, I use a lot of uh, that Ensure, which is usually like 220 calories, but you can get the boosted one for like 350 and it's got protein in it and it's really good. So I'll, I'll slam that. It's like six ounces. You get 350 calories and it tastes great. So it's like, you can only absorb 350 calories in an hour. So I slam that and then I, you know, do a little bit of watermelon or something like that on the side or have a sip of Coke. So I was pretty much fueling in between stations because mostly like they're four or five miles apart. Um, but then there's a couple of stretches where like you're going 12 or 17 miles before you see your crew. So I was like running on Coke for like 10 miles and then seven miles. I'm like, oh, <laughs> kind of falling off a little bit. And I, and I knew that. So I, I'm running slow enough. You're welcome running slow enough where I'm actually, you know, I'm burning fat and my, my heart rate was never, it never spiked. I, I probably kept it around 130 the whole time. So I was never like out of gas. I was just consistent the whole way. And my, my mental move was really good um, through all the aid stations. Everything was going great. But then it started to turn a little bit when I got to the, the, the bike and hike. And um, it, it was good for the first part of it. I was prepared for the, the heat because I think we all prepare for heat. It's always the burning river. And it's, we've had 90, 95 heat with 100 plus index on, on training days. And I don't think it got that quite hot. It wasn't that humid. It wasn't as bad as it could have been. I don't think it was as bad as, you know, maybe some people thought. It just kind of feels that way, especially when you're, you know, 50 miles into a race. Um, but I was prepared for that mentally. So the heat didn't really mentally affect me. Nothing really was getting into my mind. I was relaxed, but I got to like mile 48. And really it was for me, it's 51 because everyone's kind of pinballing. So you're going a little bit longer than the course. Um, so I got to the aid station at 50 at 51. And I was, I was okay. But as soon as I sat down, like I got dizzy and nauseous, I had to go to the bathroom again. And then I just, just kind of lost all energy. Like I just 
didn't want to get back up, but I was going to. I wasn't going to give anybody, hey, I think I'm dropping. I never gave anybody the indication, although my face probably said otherwise. Uh, if you talk to anybody that's around me, some people doubted that I was going to get back up. And I probably would have doubted myself had I seen what I looked like. Um, but I, I definitely was probably better off than most people. And I, I knew that going in and I knew at this point, I, I had, this is why I wanted to go alone. Like I knew there was going to be a point where I could easily just go, I'm done. Cause a lot of people make it a call at the 50. Cause Hey, I got 50 miles in doing that seven miles in a hot hiking bike, biking, like whatever. And then knowing that you have to turn around after you feel like garbage and go back on it probably at a slower pace. Cause you feel like garbage. So you're going to be spending more time on the heat, roasting longer, getting progressively worse. And you already feel bad. And you still got, like you said, you're, Try not to think about what's ahead of you, like Alex mentioned. You know, it's it's daunting, but I ne- I never let the the negative thoughts really penetrate so deep where I would pull the plug. So I just said, you know, I listened to Tony Belasco, who's our trail god. He's incredible, and thinking of like Tim, and even thinking of you guys because I've run with you guys, you know, handfuls of times and and stuff. But I said, just get to the trail, like get through that hot spot. So I would. You know, I run the sun sections and I'd walk the, the shade, run the sun, walk the shade and drink some Coke and started feeling better. Give myself a number like ah, I was like a two out of 10 before. Now I feel like I'm a four. Alex passed me at 53 and he was all smiles. Like I saw Alex pass me and he was like, you look like he just started the freaking race. So I'm like, dude, this is illegal. <laughs> like, like you feel he must have been the best feeling person on the entire course all day. The same way the beginning or whether I was just happy to see you. I know. And I, I saw him a couple of times, but it was, he was, he was doing great. And so seeing him doing well, I'm like, you know, I probably could be doing more well than I want to. So I just, I kept trucking on and I got to the, I finally got to the, sat down in the Tiki bar, which is one of the eight stations, had a Coke with uh, Chase who ended up having some hip issues. And I said, I'm, I'm in and out in two minutes. I had, had my Coke, which is pretty much my fuel, like Coca-Cola. And then, uh, filled up some ice, ice bandanas were huge. I mean, that was a game changer that that'll save people from dropping. And I, I got all the way back to Boston run where essentially the, that hot stretch stops. And I turned around and I looked at the ground behind me, which is that flat hots. And I just gave it two middle fingers and looked at the guys behind me were laughing. And I just started screaming. I'm like, game on. <laughs> so then I started running again, which was nice. And I was, I was hiking pretty good pace. I was anywhere from like 1330 to like, 1540 was like a walking pace for me. And so if I started to run, I could get back into 11s and the 12. So I kind of did a little bit of everything, but uh, it was, it was weird because when I left the aid station at 51, it was, you know, like I passed Alex and I, I don't even know who was with you. I looked at you. I'm like, Oh, I don't know what I'm doing. And he was still smiling and I knew he was going to catch me. So I started going, but when I got to the trail on the way to the trail, my like, crap, like I'm going at a slow pace. I have like, it was like four, 10. I have like four hours to get 17 miles. And I'm doing the calculations. I'm like, it's going to start getting dark. I didn't grab my headlamp. I'm like, oh, so I'm going to be going through salt run at night with no headlamp. And that's one of the most te- technical spots. So I got through the salt run after we got back to that area, did the first two miles of the, the cross country run, got through the first mile and a half of salt run. And then it just, the lights just turned off. <laughs> and so like, I'm just like blindly just like, moving at a 18 minute per mile pace. And of course there's relay runners running past me with headlamps, not offering to give me light. I wanted to smack them, <laughs> but I kind of liked the challenge. I'm like, I got this far in here. And eventually I popped out and took another, another 
probably 30 minute break. I had to, I had to take the break. I mean, I probably didn't need it, but going alone, it just, I was at that point, I kind of resorted. I wasn't going to get sub 24. I thought maybe mid 25s was, was a good one I could have done, but I decided to take some of those, uh, a break at 50, obviously that was a 30 minute break. I, I didn't do much. And then at 68, I took about another 30 minute break, changed all my clothes, put on my UFO head or chest lamp, which is awesome. Uh, Kogala system, which is a sweet light system. It's way better than a head headlamp, which is what I blame my injury from because using headlamps, you just can't see as much. At least I can't. Uh, so I, I remember just, watching Chad would take a spill uh, uh, nighttime training run a few weeks prior, and you you swore you were going to get better lighting. So glad you, I, yeah, glad you did and, that. <laughs> well, it's funny. My dad's probably watching right now, and uh, he gave me a, a nice birthday check because you know dads are awesome, and so are moms. Um, and so I, I'm like you know, it's my money becomes the family's money. So it's like, Hey, I got $250. It's like, it's going to bills. <laughs> so it's like, so like I'm spending this money. Like, you're like, so like, I'm going to get that light system. And so like, my wife's like, it's like, so what'd you spend your birthday money? I'm like light. She's like $250 on light. I'm like, yeah, light. It's like, okay, that's nice. I'm glad you spent it wisely. <laughs> it's like, if it's going to help you stay healthy, then that's good. I'm like, yes, it is. But it's so worth it. It was it was good. But I, I bumped out of there. I put some music on, which I never do. Uh, but going alone, I kind of looked forward to putting on a couple of albums for like an hour or two. And it definitely helped me popping out of mile 68. Um, and so I started picking up the pace again. So and I knew 24 hours under was pretty much out, but I wanted to finish as good as I could. I wanted to maybe finish in the 25 or maybe the 26. And at the point where, you know, at this point I was my my stomach was fine. I had no more bathroom issues and I was feeling pretty good. Just a matter of calories and getting there and slowing the pace. And, and it, I was really careful about in the forest. I'm just, I'm super sensitive about kicking my feet now because it's just so painful when you, when you have no cartilage left in either of your big toes and you've broken them before. So all it takes is like one, one misstep after looking to the right at a, at a friend and you miss and you kick something and then all of a sudden your hamstring locks up and, I mean, I was lucky that I mean, my feet gave me no problems. So it never really slowed me down. I, I had everything went as planned other than the things you can never plan for because things just kind of arrive. And so I dealt with them when I dealt with them and, you know, having, having Lewis at every aid station, that was kind of like having a pacer. So, you know, I, I pretty much went as fast as I could given the things I had to do through the race. So I, I, I have no regrets off of, you know, going, if I started off too slow, cause I've started off too fast before and burned out. Um, not obviously not as many times as Travis has and his experience, but I've, I've done off some, some fast starts and it's bonked on me hard, but we're starting to run quick paces at mile 70 at Ohio backyard ultra. That was fun. So maybe we'll do that again, but uh, just for one lap, <laughs> but yeah, it was uh, getting to the finish was, I took a couple like seven minute naps. I was thinking like, I'll just tell Lewis like, Hey, I need to snap for seven minutes. Like specifically I need seven give me seven. So I'd take a seven minute nap and get back out there. And eventually it just kind of morphed into, you know, mile 85, you know, mile 90, mile 95, Memorial Parkway, that tow path, that's flat Alex. It's like, it's uphill. And I was, I was running with a bunch of people. So I kind of made pacer friends. So there were some people I met along the way that had stories, but one guy's like, Oh, I run this all the time. And it's like, yeah, it's not flat. Like that stretch, that stretch of Memorial up to the Chuckery. That's a lot of uphill. Like it's gradual, but it just doesn't stop. So it was kind of slower running at that point, but I was doing some decent running um, during other parts of the race that you might not normally be running. But 
Um, I'm actually happy with the effort throughout the whole way and the fact that I decided not to pull the plug, which I could have easily done. Uh, I just wanted to finish at that point. So I'll get the sub 24 at some point. I need mean, probably pays to really have, um, but yeah. So, so is, that, is, that, is that, are you a dirt trait or a dirt racing track right now? Is, I your car is zooming in the background. I mean, I'm in Garfield. You guys aren't in Garfield. I'm supposed to have all like the mile power cars. No, surprisingly not. I got the night off, but, uh, <laughs> So Chad, Chadwick, give me some specific questions. That's that's the boring overview. And then I finished. And yeah, it's great. And I came home and ate, went to bed, and then here I am. Okay, perfect. So your Instagram <laughs> is at hikerman2000, and you that's always right. talk about on your Instagram is you want to enter the pain cave, and I think that's just super inspiring. But what does that pain cave actually mean for you? Well, I'm a novice at it because I know Tim's watching. He's probably rolling his eyes because. I heard it from him first, but I know it's a, it's a term that's used from a lot of people, but I, I wanted to, I wanted to get into that spot where I knew I, I was at a crossroads where I could either go this direction or that direction. I could either quit or I could not quit, or I could, you know, hit this, or I could go in with an injury. Like probably maybe I shouldn't have run. Maybe it was too risky. I, I obviously now I'm, I'm not complaining about the fact that it was risky because I'm healthy out of it. and My feet didn't take any damage, but you know, it, it probably would have been better to not, go, but I kind of wanted to go in with some extra baggage and damage and knowing that I could easily get hurt and then have an easier time to call it quits. But I, I kind of want to feel that pain a little bit in the middle, at least beginning to feel it. There's different levels of people go through uh, mentally, physically. For me, it was, I wanted to make sure mentally I didn't check out because physically I was actually pretty good other than my gut the first 50 miles, but everyone is, everyone was dealing with gut issues. I mean, even Harvey probably had a little bit of a, a, a turned stomach at some point. And, you know, you know what he's done. So it's like, we're all in the same boat. So it's all relative. And it's like, yeah, it's what we signed up for. Like there's, you're not going out there to, to be comfortable. Like you're going out there to find, like I probably needed to have more pain. Like I'm a little disappointed that something more dramatic didn't happen. I mean, I'm glad it didn't, but you know, I would like to see what, what I would, what I've done had I kicked another route, but if, if I would have done that, I mean, I, I probably would have, there's no way I would have finished because you know, walking with a busted broken toe is going 25 minute miles is not fun for 40 miles or <laughs> at that point, it's like, it's kind of like, you're just promoting more injury. And I have to like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not old. Okay. I'm not young, but I have to watch myself. So I do have to be walking that tightrope a little different than Alex. Cause um, I'm not getting any younger and I, I have put on 12 pounds plus. You're the same age as Alex and us. We're, we're all the same age. Oh, I'm I'm worse. I, I'm way more immature than you guys combined. <laughs> well, definitely Alex. You're definitely more uh, immature than Alex because there's no one that's more mature than Alex. But uh, it was definitely awesome to kind of see you obviously finish. You obviously PR'd. It was a super awesome experience for you out on the course. So we were stoked to see you obviously finish across that finish line. And uh, it was fun tracking you along the way. Sweet. So, John, uh, for those of you who don't know, I'm sure people have watched the Road to 100 series at this point already. Um, as you guys would know, John Dolovaki III towed the line at the Burning River 100. Before I get into his actual race, I want to talk a little bit about your training leading up to the race and uh, what that experience was like for you training for your first 100. Well, um, I didn't know if we were going to get to this tonight. I thought we were just going to chat with the, with, the, with the winners over here finishing. Um, for me, 
I started off really strong at the beginning of the year. So, like January, February, I was running with Alex. I'm up in the Rocks and Roots area. Um, you know, I felt really good. I did the 50K up there and felt really strong and then was able to run, you know, back to back, like long weekends and had a good time. But then COVID happened and then everyone was like, eh, about races and whatnot. So, I also moved in that time from Columbus to Athens and then at the same time moved from Athens to Northeast Ohio where we probably bought a house and moved in with in-laws, family, like blah, blah, blah. So we didn't get to, I didn't get to run as much as I wanted to because I was doing all this other stuff. Um, and I actually only averaged probably like 100 miles a month. So maybe 25 mile weeks. And then in August and July, it was just wasn't anything. I did the overnight run uh where i witnessed c-rob fall and have the loudest thud and scream of the f-word i've ever heard in my life in 3 a.m when it echoes through the yeah, forest. i didn't even know you were there that was the one were... one, of, one of the ones where you fell you like tripped it and went like full straight and your hand got remember when your hand pulled underneath you and like drug across underneath your body i think it was oh, yeah. yeah that was yeah. it it was oh, the loudest thud oh is that when the tim thought i broke my arm yeah like we we were all like holy shit what just happened like <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, but like I did that run, I felt really good. I set my best like 50 K time overnight with those guys running that, which probably is Tim's that goes to Tim. Cause he's the one that kept us going, um, at that fast pace. Um, so, you know, training wasn't too great, I guess I would say, uh, it was there. Some of it was, um, so led up to the race day where uh, I casually walked up to the start line with a cream cheese bagel in hand. Um, <laughs> and so the, the photographer was there. He's like, did, did you just stuff it in your pocket? Like Jeff Spicoli from fast times. High? I was just holding it in this hand and I walked up and I was like getting my phone, my race joy app out with the bagel in this hand. And I walked up to the line and like, they're like, good to go. And <laughs> the camera guy looks at me and he's like, did you just like bring McDonald's with you or something? Or like a muffin or whatever. So I just like took off walking and I was just eating little bites of that as like as I started jogging down the road. Um, oh yeah, that's a that's a good one if everyone needs to go see that video. Um so yeah, basically started off like that and then just I felt I mean mentally like I never had really I don't think any problems until I, I started calling Wesley or texting him and he's like screaming at me later in the race. But um Started going down, you know, for the first 10 miles, just enjoying it. It was like that real thick fog in the morning. Cause I think my start time was like five something. So like it was well in the, I wasn't in the dark too long. Um, and then I put some podcasts around on around 10, listened to some podcasts for good 10 or 15 miles. And then I chatted with people for another 10 or 15 miles or something like that. Um, never felt like bad. I felt good in terms of food. I never had any stomach issues. I just, I got a nice like avocado and hummus wrap around like mile 16 and 20 ish or whatever it was. And that, that was like hit the spot and like solved my like grumbles that were happening from just being hungry. Um, but it came down to, where was I? I left the Kendall. No, right before Kendall Lake, it's the, um, Pine Hollow. That was 33. Yeah. I left there and I was like starting to like, right before that was starting to be like, you know, I'm, I don't think I'm going to make a hundred. Like, not like mental doubts of like, I couldn't like shrug through and like that kind of thing. But I think physically, I just was like, I don't have the training. I just didn't think it was possible. 
and whether or not that was what led to like you know it's true or not i don't know i didn't really get to find out because i didn't try to go the full length um but then i started to have a you know blisters happening like when i was walking that last little section into kendall lake like you know huge like i don't know a couple quarter size blisters on my like left foot which were causing problems i didn't have anything to pop them with so but like the heat wasn't too bad but definitely you know obviously it was hot especially that section Use a bib pen. That's how you pop. Ah, I didn't even think about that. See, there's experience right there. <laughs> like coming from the from the experience folks. So came through there and I was like getting close to that and I was like, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop because it's like I I didn't think physically it was possible to get a hundred without seriously like hurting myself. Um and so I was like, that's not worth it, especially with everything else going on. I was like, I didn't I didn't want that to go that way. So I was like, you know, I think I'm just going to drop at 50. Like, okay, that's a good, you know, halfway point. I'll stop and whatever and get to 50. Um, so, but then I started walking and then I was like, you know, the, the blister and everything like that, which I didn't know what the safety pin option. Otherwise I would have done that and maybe try to go through 50. Um, but I was like, you know, one of the 10 miles on that wouldn't be good. And I just felt, I felt like I wasn't going for a distance PR. I wasn't going for anything like that. So once I decided that the hundred wasn't an option, I felt that it wasn't even worth just continuing on. So I ended up dropping at Kendall Lake, which was like thirty nine and a half miles or something like that. Um, and uh, physically, like I said, like I don't know, I, I recovered fine the past couple of days. Like I probably could go for a run. I haven't just to be safe. But forty miles was I thought pretty good for me still, given that I only ran a hundred miles a month, if that the last couple months um so yeah that's pretty much where i uh wrapped up with that it wasn't wasn't what i wanted but i will 100 percent be back with a vengeance next year um and get my redemption just like alex did so obviously like for the i mean i'm sure everyone probably watching this maybe you haven't maybe you have never dropped out of a race but i know that i have i know alex has and i know c rob probably has as well if you count obu at least but uh okay there you uh, go. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little, I, I, I didn't win. <laughs> exactly. That's a little different. That's the only one I knew. It all. felt different. But uh, I mean, obviously, like, there's a lot to learn from DNFs, I believe. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like, someone like Travis, I know we've mentioned nine times, and I feel like everyone's dogged him so far. But I feel like Travis learns a lot from his DNFs. So, John, what are you going to take away from this experience running 40 miles at Burning River into next year's race? Well, one, I think it's interesting because even on 100 miles a month, um, I'm surprised with how fast I recovered and how good I felt. Like the, like the same night I was on ladder mudding in the kitchen. <laughs> and then like the next day I was working around the house and like not struggling to get around on 40 miles, which, you know, shows that I definitely had more energy in the legs to, to go further and not, you know, things like that. So like that part is one of the things I'll consider. And I think it's just making sure that, you know, whether I, I need to become that morning runner that I've talked about before or whatever it is, but that, that routine, you just, like Michael always told us, what was it? Two days off for runners, like the worst thing you could ever do. You break that habit and then it's like, you don't, you don't get into that daily run and get that time on your feet. Um, so I think from, from that, I also learned this time around, I felt that I went in with a good pace, like 12 and a half, 13s from the beginning, just to try to stay, you know, in and out of the aid stations. But I was trying to be 
you know, nice and slow about it and not overdo it. So like, I never felt like my heart rate was too high. I never felt out of breath until I was at the points of like climbing some of those climbs where, you know, you're going to get out of breath regardless at the top. But I felt like I was able to maintain that, maintain a clear head. Um, I feel like I have a good understanding of listening to my body, I guess. I can I can feel the different aches and, and know what to do or at least have an appreciation for what may happen or what may not happen depending on that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't know how to describe that any better, but like, like really listening to yourself and listen. And I felt like, you know, this year food intake was correct. I was able to maintain the, the correct water and Gatorade balance of, of staying, you know, properly hydrated, but also the right amount of electrolytes that I didn't feel ever dehydrated or I wasn't feeling like completely destroyed by the sun in some of those sections, which are just awful. So I think it's just the biggest thing I'm going to do is I'm going to come back with a vengeance because I'm going to come back with a consistent training plan that's going to give me a sub 24 next year. So yeah, Eric Anderson still is in the chat and he said that uh, no worries, John, you've 11 months to train. And I think that we need to keep them accountable for regeneration. We, I mean, road to 100, the only thing that's a good thing about this, and I wish, obviously, <laughs> we all do, John would finish, but the content, it's still coming out. He's going to be doing yeah. these for the next 11 months now. So uh, I'm excited to kind of see this journey continue. We'll have more episodes of those as well. So uh, you, you've done four 50K distances plus in 2020 alone. So I think you have a good base. It must be the day. Consistent to grind it out, just general miles that I think you just need to get. And once you get those, I think you're set, man. So I think being up here is helpful with um, the trail group enthusiasts on the weekends. You know, they're always there. There's there's no excuses up here to not to not be able to run with group, especially if you're feeling kind of like not like you want to run or something like that. There's way more options than just um, at least for me in Athens. I only had like what one group that I could go run with. Um, So that'll be nice and be easy to maintain, I think, up here. And especially now being settled in in one place, uh, as you could probably attest to, traveling sucks when you're trying to run. So, Yeah, just look at my Strava over the past two months and I can show you how well traveling and running works together. So It doesn't, unless you're so diligent. It's insane, but I get it. Yeah, no excuses. We're excited to see you back next year. I know you're going to sign up, hopefully, whenever they open that registration. We're super excited to see you uh, get back out there. Uh, we still got some time with our guests tonight, so we're just going to keep rolling here. Uh, the producers in my ear, as usual, and just wanted me to remind everyone that if you know someone that uh, would be a great guest on one of these Ridge Runners live show, go in the description of this video right now and nominate them. We've got a nomination form. You can let them know. And it's really that simple. So no, I don't think John knows this yet or Cam, but I'm looking to do Ridge Runner Lives seven nights a week. Now that I'm back, I'm just run these things back nonstop. Maybe some nights it'll just be me by myself. I don't, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> so if you know someone that would be an awesome guest, nominate them below. And uh, we hope to get them on the show in the future. Uh, you guys obviously are you guys ran the race. I want to know what's next. Obviously a lot of uncertainty in the world right now, but what are your summary goals uh, for the rest of 2020 and beyond 2020? Alex, you can start things off. Yeah. Hard to say at at this moment in time, Um, just want to make sure I'm fully recovered and 
looking forward just to getting back into a normal flow again uh, here pretty soon. Um, hopefully there's no problems getting back uh, onto the, onto the weekly mileage, uh, you know, consistent grind again here soon. Um, I am currently signed up for the backyard ultra uh, middle of November. Um, it appears uh, that Michael Owen will be having that race still, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, what that looks like. Um, but I am signed up. That's, I guess, closer than I probably want to think about right now uh, in terms of uh, how far away it is. Um, so, I, you know, that's the plan is to, to show up to the starting line there and see what I'm capable of uh, at that moment in time. Um, that's obviously a really fun style of, of racing. I ran the first one and had a lot of fun um, in 2019. Um, it was supposed to happen in March, but I obviously got pushed back. Um, so that's the only thing that I know that I have next. Beyond that, it's hard to say. Um, now that I've checked off Burner River, you know, maybe next summer I'll consider, uh, you know, Mohican or another uh, Midwest 100 mile race to focus on in the summer. Um, but hard to say. I had a lot of fun at Burner River, so I'm not rolling out coming back a year from now and maybe trying to run a little quicker. Uh, or compete a little bit harder um, now that I have some confidence going into it. So uh, no, no, nothing uh, that I've decided yet um, long-term, but um, definitely looking forward to finding uh, a hundred mile race to focus on again. Yeah, no, it's super awesome that you're going to be back at uh, Ohio's Backyard Ultra this November, as long as that race goes on. I want to talk about, because last year at OBU, you ran 100 miles there. It was the first time you ever eclipsed that distance and ran that distance. So, obviously, uh, you ran Burning River slightly quicker. But what was the difference for you between a 100-mile race outright versus the OBU format, or just the Backyard Ultra format, I should say? Yeah, so kind of like I was saying earlier in, in this conversation how I was like feeling overwhelmed and you know the the just the thought of how how much further there was to go uh you know at the start of Burner River this weekend um you know kind of weighed on me um whereas I didn't feel like that was uh an issue for me in the backyard ultra because all it ever was was a four mile loop that you had to finish you know there wasn't a set distance uh beyond that uh, you didn't know that you had 80 miles left or that you had 50 miles left. Like you might have, but you just didn't know it. Um, and, and that, that weight of however far you had to go doesn't exist because there is no set length to go. And all you can do at any point is just focus on finishing, uh, that lap that you're on, uh, which is a relatively short distance. Um, so, I mean, I think that just goes to show that like, in a 100 mile race, you know, it definitely helps the more you can break it up and just think one more mile gets that vegetation. Like the more you can break it down and just keep it, you know, uh, at, at an incremental level, um, I think definitely helps. That's, that's a takeaway that I learned, uh, that I, I think I had a feeling was the case, but definitely was confirmed, uh, from my experience this past weekend. Um, and yeah, so I, I think, I think mentally, the backyard ultra might for me at least i mean i'm sure people can disagree with this but i think backyard ultra is a little bit easier mentally uh just because you can't get ahead of yourself you're it's just that hour um and it's really hard to think too far beyond it or else you might get in trouble um so i, I would say backyard ultra is probably mentally easier um i think it was physically easier through 100 miles but it could physically get 
a lot more taxing <laughs> uh, as you go beyond that distance. Um, whereas like Burning River, like it was like a more of a race where I was kind of exhausting myself. Um, and, you know, the backyard ultra, you might not totally, uh, you know, zero yourself out the same way that you do in uh, a point to point race. So. So you saying you quit too early at Ohio's backyard ultra last year by not going to the zeroing out, uh, effect that you yeah. had to bring over this past year. Yeah. And so put me on the record. Yep. So how will you go into OBU knowing to try to replicate that and try to get to that level of, cause you know, it is only a four mile race. So how, how do you plan on kind of like pushing past that limit in the race? Yeah. I mean, that's probably a better question to ask for people who <laughs> have pushed the, the envelope a little bit more than I did at, at that race the one time I've run it, but, uh, for, for starters, you got to commit to going out every hour. Um, you know, you should only quit if, you know, you've timed out while you're on the course, you know, you, you can't let yourself just not go back out and try again. Um, granted that's what I did. And I just made the decision to walk off the course on the 25th hour, um, the year I, that, that I ran it. Um, and I, I think I just kind of copped out there. Um, a little bit. Um, I think you just owe it to yourself to not give up while you're on the course or in the starting corral. You just have to keep moving until the time hits. And when the time comes, you'll time out on the course or you'll keep going and you might just end up winning. Um, but I think you just owe it to yourself to keep putting yourself back out there with every intention of finishing each hour until you don't. So I'm going to just make a recording of this and just send it to you every single day until OBU. So you come into that race with that mindset, because uh, I think if you come into the race, with that mindset, you could possibly beat the person that was on the show last night, Harvey Lewis, if he shows up after Biggs like, back at ultra and yeah, uh, like, it's, it's, it's all the mindset, it's all mindset. So if you can just do that, you, you versus Harvey, I know he got you this time, but it doesn't mean he'll get you next time. So. I'm sure Harvey is uh, shaking in his boots. If he's watching this uh, <laughs> 22 year old, uh, hack runner here talking about it. <laughs> I mean, I would be if I was him. So uh, I definitely am named to look out for it. Ohio's back at Ultra. See, Rob, what about you? What do you have the rest of 2020 and in the future? Well, I don't think my brain hasn't left OBU. I kind of knew it was going to get postponed or canceled at some point. But I think going into that race, which was supposed to happen to like what early March, that I had been training specifically for that, like going, you know, obviously lots of solo runs. I do a lot of my training is kind of like a lot of people's. You obviously get your long runs on the weekend, but like my week schedule is a little bit different. Like if I'm coaching, like I am now for cross country, I can log miles with my team. So I get, you know, paid to run, which is super awesome. Um, but then, you know, and I, I practice a lot of my paces. So like I'll practice like being with like the lead runner for a little bit. And then I'll, I'll kind of hang back with the kids that are, that are struggling to kind of keep up and to hold like an actual running pace, you know, to finish a 5k. So kind of coaching, you know, younger people is kind of helped me like really accept different paces. So I've, I've been using that strategy in my brain since I tapped out last year at mile 84, which was too early for me too. I kind of got bored and I was feeling good. I just, you just didn't know what, what to expect. It was the first time. So I kind of, I know what it's like. Uh, but ever since then, I'm like, yeah, like I, I want to start mentally training for this more. Uh, so like I had pretty much gone into even this race in Eastern States before it got canceled, thinking of, you know, just slow your roll, slow your pace and just be steady and, and just try to really click 
for as long as you possibly can and, and just going it alone, like without, you know, much help at all, unless you, you need it. Um, but I've been training for, for OBU, um, and my mate, my, my brain a lot, like, and I, it doesn't always have to, it's a lot of, it's not running. A lot of it's, is just, just mental prep and whatever you do in a daily life, like whether it's grinding on the road, like traveling, like you guys say, like picking up and moving and dealing with everyday life situations, like, and it's, everyone's bad and good at it at certain times. And you, people lose their nerves and, you know, during times like now pandemic, people are on edge and like, there's a lot of unrest going on right now. So if, if you can find a way to, to use those things around you as training for like, say a race like that, where it's mental. I mean, we've all, we're all prepared for that race. Like, I mean, but are we thinking about it in those terms? Like, so you have to take the things that are around you rather than going out like, Oh, I don't have time to do this. Like you can make time in different ways mentally. Like you could be a little bit physically untrained. I've learned, but if you're mentally there, dude, you're golden. Like at least you're a lot better than you think you are. Like what, what Goggins says, you know, when you think you're, absolutely done you know that's that's it at minimum 40 percent of your max so you've got 60 percent plus left so you know being you know a person that's you know obviously like everyone else is working and i happen to have a family and kids and driving and coaching and teaching and see robbing and doing mcdonald's videos in the middle of the woods and drinking weird drinks and whatnot and i have four cats and a rabbit and fish like chaos is all around me, but you have to slow down. Like you got to just, sometimes you just have to be and just like focus in the moment. Like, so I've, for me, it's almost like a Zen state. Like I remember reading, um, I forget the name. It's like the, the Zen of motorcycling or something like that. I'm like, Phil Jackson was in it. It was an old book that he came out with in the late nineties. But Dirt just, car? What's that? Dirt car or no? It wasn't dirt car. It was, it was a Zen <laughs> of motorcycle. But, and I remember it just, just everything's in the moment. So you have to like pay attention to the things that, you normally don't pay attention to and like focus on that. And once you start focusing on other things that you can't control, like people say that if you're worried about the past, you're depressed. If you're worried about the future, you're anxious. If you're worried about the now, you're living in the now. So like if you can shut out the front and the back and you can just focus on each step or each thing you're doing, whether it's, you know, cleaning your gutters or it's all mental prep. Like people snap on dumb stuff. Like if you cannot snap on the dumb stuff, I mean, you're going to be better off, but you know, when you have something big, like you're thinking about all these miles, of course you're going to snap, you know, because it's like, it's daunting. And you think about the things that you you're in control of now, but you think about the things that you can't control later on. So why are you worried about that? Then it starts cuckooing your brain. So, so it's, 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 it's the fail aspect. Like, like you said, Travis has DNF a couple of times, but dude, that he knows what to expect. He knows that limit is like, he goes there because he wants to smell what it is to be at that precipice of failure so that he can dial just a little bit further back and they can hold that, you know, when he wants to crush a mountain race in 20 hours, which for me to crush out on a flatter course, I would be stoked. So total props to dudes like him and, you know, Harvey and Michael that are watching, like, it's just incredible what those guys do. So I try to take some of those, those mental aspects. And it was really cool listening to Harvey last night. Like, and I, I was texting with Scott Mormon, who's an absolute stud runner who might be watching now. He's a huge biker. Um, and I think he he's definitely capable of going sub 20 on, on a hundred mile course. This was his first hundred mile race. Uh, and I started in front of him. I was like, I shouldn't be in front of him. And he passed me real quick. And I'm like, I think he's going on a little too fast. And I was going slow. Maybe he knows what he's doing, but he, uh, he, 
it, it's people like that that just want to push the envelope, you know? So like you've, you've got to be willing to, to break off and, and then feel what it's like at that moment and then use that as a gauge at the next point. But Harvey mentioned something about like arm sleeves, like looking for your opponent. And he said that he was looking at some of his competitors and seeing the things that they weren't doing during the race that he knows from experience that if they're not doing, eventually it's going to catch up to them. Like if they're not wearing an arm sleeve and Scott's like, well, I thought, you know, that might like stop me from sweating. Like I, I, I thought about those things maybe working well, it's reflecting all the UV light off. So it's causing your, your skin to stay at a cooler temperature. If you reflect it off, he's like, oh, now I got a mental edge. And those guys aren't wearing what I've got. So they might be okay now, but at 15 miles, they're going to be dogging it. And I'm going to be told you so in my brain without being, you know, cocky about it, but just in your brain that gives you a mental edge. So if you can find mental edges or you can get comfortable in those situations, like, you know, going to that pain cave, which I'm a complete novice at, like I'm just learning how to do it, but. Yeah, it's it's everything. I learned from others. That's boil it down. Yeah, no, Tom Bach here's in the chat and he said it's the, the book that you're referring to is the Zen in the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance. So if yes. anyone wants to pick up that book, that Great book, book. Seems, seems like a good one there. Thanks, Tom. Uh, and he was huge too. Yeah. Tom is so, a, to Tom and Tony and Mike, those two guys, three guys, but those guys were always picking people up and like myself. Like so it was nice to see people that I I barely know Tom. I've met him maybe four times, but he was there like mentally with me a lot. Like I was like, I don't want to disappoint this guy. I barely know, but I know him more than someone might know if they've only met him four times. So um, he's a good dude. He gives me free wood after I chop it down for him and do a city boys yeoman's job at it, but he makes fun of me. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, super great guy. Uh, I want to ask you a quick question here. So uh, let me thank you. I, I had the question and then I just, you know, Alex or, or John? <laughs> you, you, give me a second. Oh, okay. <laughs> so what I want to talk about now is basically like the idea that when OBU and other back at ultras, when they make you sign up, they want you to say, okay, how far do you think you're actually going to make it in this race? And you're one of the most competitive people just in a general standpoint that I know. And so going into that race, this, whenever it is, I think that you put, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you want to win the race. What is that mindset like for you, like knowing that, okay, I may not be maybe the most talented, the most fit at this point, but if I have the right mindset and that's really all it takes, how can I win this race and whatnot? Well, I think that the nugget that I haven't been able to really crystallize with yet, like I know I put that out there, but that's for myself. I know the others are probably rolling their eyes and I know, I know they're doing that. And so when I get to that point, like I've done a lot of stuff besides running that are difficult and I don't need to go into those details. Everyone's got life stories. Right. But I know I've seen darker places than most people in a lot of terms. And so when they think they're at that dark place, I know I've seen darker and I know what I need to pull out more that people don't think they have. I know it's, there's more there. There's more potential that we all have. So it's one of those things where it's almost you sometimes you almost find something fake to go towards like not fake that I said that, but like, this is a poor example because I'm no, no, no one's like Michael Jordan, but he used to find something in his brain about someone that was a flaw that actually like, he, Oh, this guy talked trash about me. And when he did it and he convinced himself that they were talking trash and then he uses it against them and says, I told you so. I'm like, what? I didn't say anything. He's like, I know. <laughs> so it's, it's something, it's something like that, but it's, I know, I know there's a lot more in me and I, and I know what I've gotten to, I've gotten close and 
different ways, maybe not with speed, but with, I mean, I've, I've done some weird things. Everyone's done weird things, but I mean, trekking that one of the hardest things I ever did was actually hiking hundred miles in 50 hours. And that's one thing I kind of pride myself on toughness. And uh, my friend Ian, who's a rock climber now, but he's a hiker, but we went through the Allegheny national forest. It was like hundred and some people started and you can tap out self-supported slept for like three hours. And the, the last 37 hours, we hiked 73 miles, like pretty much nonstop. So I was double hallucinating and trench foot. And like, we ended up getting lost the last mile. So I went like another four miles. Um, and it was like, my feet exploded. I mean, it was, everything was bad. So I've seen pain more than I've seen pain in people in running hundreds, just hiking a hundred, um, depending on how you maintain your body. Like if you don't take care of your body, things get out of whack real quick when you're unsupported, like fully unsupported, like you carry everything. No one's dropping you nothing. And you're out there for 50 hours. Hiking may not be, may not sound, oh, you're just walking. Well, you, you try to stay in your fate for 50 hours with 20,000 feet of elevation gain through mud. And you tell me, you know, how easy that is when you're getting bit up and you're hallucinating and getting stung by bees at mile 90. <laughs> this, so I've seen pain, but it's it's a different kind of pain. But I you try to tap into those things and kind of forecast those into your current situation. And so that's kind of my mindset. I draw on past experiences, and I know I've seen harder than most. Keyword most. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I know we're super excited as you employ that mindset officially at OBU and other races in the future. So uh, we're super stoked for you there. Uh, kind of wrapping it up, John, and the same question there for you. What do you have uh, going forward at the end of 2020 in preparation for Brain River in 2021? <laughs> well, nothing yet, but I'm going to have to find something to do here in the fall to uh, at least keep the fitness and have a, like, have a motivational goal, goal to go for. So I'm going to be trying to find some... Uh, some sort of 50 miler. I'd like to do a hundred K in the spring just to see, you know, I think that that it's not like it's a, it's a big jump from 50, but just that extra little piece of just going through that unknown earlier instead of during the race, I think would be nice. Um, even if that it's just doing a hundred K or if it's doing, uh, you know, a last man standing race where I can get that point at least. Um, but that staying healthy, maintain, uh, that's pretty much what I got going on. How about you, Wesley? I know you're signed up for some stuff. Oh, don't worry about me. I'm just hosting tonight. But uh, these guests have been absolutely incredible. Um, before we get out of here, I got to ask one very important question. Or Cameron, you're going to scream at me tomorrow. Uh, if ultra running was like baseball and you had walk-up songs, what would your guys' walk-up song be? And C- what would your yeah, the song be? And see, Rob, you can start it off for us. Oh God, there's so much music in my brain. A walk up, like so to find more of a walk up, I need a little bit more paint the picture a little more clear. So it, like your your starting line at Burning River, it's dark outside. It's just you, your headlamp, and the photographer taking amazing pictures. Oh, and you can pick any song. It's so easy. So okay. easy. I it's like the stroke, Billy Squire. <laughs> Yeah, the stroke. There Every, it is. Everybody, we're doing the stroke. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we're going to add that to the playlist, and uh, we'll get that oh, out as well. Got uh, it, Alex, for sure. What about, what about you? So I'm going to have to go with the song that was stuck in my head most of the day Saturday, and that's uh, Road to Nowhere by Talking Heads. Um, just feel like it's 
a little too too uh, fitting for for an ultra. Um, <laughs> just the, the lyrics itself kind of say it all, um, and it just kind of explains the moment that you're in, um, and kind of a, a fun little vibe to. to have better answer, there. better answer. Talking heads. <laughs> Can't go wrong with talking heads. Well, know, these guests. Like I know I John's walk up song. Oh yeah, what's that? Puff the Magic Dragon. <laughs> Puff the Magic Dragon. <laughs> I, I, I think I think we had to message Cam about like our own walk up songs, the songs like Jai and I. But I actually forget my answers, so I may have to go back and check the Spotify playlist. Cam's is probably Cam, Cam is a fish song, probably. Oh yeah, some kind of like <laughs> probably bounce, bounce around the room. That's everyone's favorite. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. For sure. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. It was an incredible uh, show with you guys, another panel show. Uh, for those of you that want to follow Alex and C-Rob, you can follow Alex at on Instagram at AlexJackson716. You can find him on Strava <laughs> in the description of the video below. If you want to follow Chadwick on Instagram, you can find him at Hikerman2000 on Instagram, and you can find him on other platforms. His Strava is in the description as well. Um, do you guys have any final thoughts, any words of wisdom before we get out of here, Alex, what are your final thoughts here? Uh, nothing really. Uh, thanks for, for having us. That was fun to rehash, uh, a really, really good weekend. Um, and yeah, hope that someone was able to maybe learn a thing or two. Not that I have a whole lot of wisdom to offer, but hopefully someone got something out of this conversation. I mean, I, I know I learned a couple of things after you beat my PR by six oh, hours. I, I, so. you know, I, I was going to say, I do have something to say. What, like, when, when are you going to respond? You got to, now that I got what, six hours on you? <laughs> you you know my thing. With, that stand? No, I'm not going to let it sit, but you know my thing with like Verdi hundreds. So that's kind of my thing. So I'll find one and hopefully get it done in the, sure. in the future. Uh, C Rob, what about you? Lucky charms. They're magically delicious. <laughs> Big time. Does Yoda have any final words? No, he doesn't. Okay. Well, that's, that's how this episode's going to end then. Thank he's you guys sli- he's, he's slipped off into the heavens with Anakin. Yeah, that, that happens to the best of us. Happens to the best of us at some point. But uh, we'll see you guys next time on another Ridge Runners Live. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll see you guys next time. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners Live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Version Our Nation.